Hello. Hello. Hi, it's good to have you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Welcome to the games we play. Our podcast. Um, we started this podcast during the lockdown, I think in March. So, um, the podcast generally is talking about how we live, how we love, relationship, um, work, business, inner life, things are happening generally um, within our lives and how, how we could go about it. Sometimes we have to unlearn and get things right to also push through. So, um, today we have Umi on the podcast and she's going to be talking about financial budgeting. This is one topic that we are looking into because it's um, a trying time now for everybody. The um, world economy is, is um, on a watch. Everybody's um, on a watch for what's next, what's going on. Um, there's inflation rates going higher in some countries, and we all have to live life. And then we have to talk about. The income and how we could live on budget. So, I would like you to tell us more about financial budgeting, what it is, um, what it is not, and how it affects our lives. All right. Well, thank you for having me again, Debbie. Um, so what is a budget? A budget is simply a roadmap telling your money what to do. Mm. And it, it's really as simple as that. It is a plan that you use where you figure out how much you make. And you also figure out how much you spend or you're expecting to spend. And then you create a plan from getting to point A to point B. So from your income to what you're spending on. And it is very important that you have a plan for what your money is doing, because if not, your money will do whatever it wants to do. So your money can work for you or it can work against you. It is your choice. So especially in times like this where really there's so much unpredictability right now, you have to have a solid plan. You have to have a good backbone on what you're using your money for because your money is one of the things, it's a defense. That's what they say. The, um, I'm a Christian. And so the Bible says that you're a, a, a wealthy man. His money is his defense. So in times of unpredictability, having money is one of the things that can help shield you from all these, you know, 
craziness that is happening right now. Very true. Um, so if we're going to look at it from a student to right now, I know some of the students are not in school, some are home, and it's like, okay, one of the ways to get income is from family, parents, or if you're working and schooling. So how how do you how do you how do you put yourself in in a budget in a proper budget in this trying times? I mean, like some people don't even have a way of um, they don't have a means of income right now, and and then maybe they've drawn out a budget before. What what was the way forward? Either as an entrepreneur or as a student or a working class, how does that apply to me? All right, I'll start with the different types of groups. So one thing a budget is not is it is not fixed for a long period of time. I would suggest, especially in somewhere in Nigeria where things change very quickly, I would suggest reevaluating your budget every six months. If you are maybe a working class person where you know you have a salary and your salary isn't changing, you can probably keep that same budget for about a year to two years. Um, it's, it's a plan, but you know that once you go into the real world, plans change. The idea is that you know where you started from so that you try to keep that, you know your goal so that you try not to change that. So... For example, this COVID um, you know, lockdown, people are not in school. A lot of people have lost their jobs. It's very difficult to figure out where the money is coming from. So therefore, it's difficult to figure out how you spend it. So I would say your most important job is to figure out how much money you're getting and how, you know, what the frequency of it is. So for example, a student who is in school, you know they are going to get pocket money. Because, you know, it, now, assuming you were in school, although most schools are f- closed now, but assuming you were in school, you knew you were going to get pocket money. Yeah, it might be, you know, a particular amount, you know, a couple of thousands then, and, you know, now maybe has dropped down. You need to know how much that is. And you need to predict to some extent how much that is. Now, when you're at home, you know that, okay, well, I know that I can expect, you know, depending on your family, right? So I, I can't give a number here, but, you know, for some families, you know that no matter what, if I go and hit up mom C or pop C, I can get 10K here. I can get, you know, 15K from them. You, you have to budget that. You have to know that, okay, mm, I think I can get 20K if I ask them. And I'm, and I'm to be really honest with you, if you go to your parents and ask them for, is it okay if instead of me just asking for money whenever I need it, would it be better for me to say that this month, this month is how, this is how much I need and this is all I'm going to ask you for? A lot of parents would be very amenable to that versus, you know, taking it by chance. Um, so it's really trying to figure out how much you're going to make. If you're going to do a business, figure out how much that business is going to get you. You know, you know how much it has been doing before. And you know, to an extent now, COVID has been on for a couple of months now. So we know how much money you've been getting now. So look at your last three months of money, how much you got. So that's um, um, September, October, no, let's leave November, August, September, October, your last three months. Figure out how much money you got there. Divide that by three. 
That's how much money you probably should expect in November. That is your income. And then from wow. there, and then only from there, can you now start budgeting how you're going to spend it? You don't start spending first. You figure out how much the money is coming in first before you spend. Very important. Because um, in my mind, I'm like, okay, six months is a long time. I mean, this is Nigeria where <laughs> right now it's like um, things are changing every um, two 24 hours to 48 hours um, between um, the last 48 hours I know a lot of people lost money um, trading forex so I'm like does six months even work mm -hmm. in 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 a very highly inflated rate happening right now and i mean this is a very volatile time for 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 the economy of nigeria so how does that even work six months is like a long time so here's my thing the idea is that this is a plan this is not what you do every day today the issue is that if you keep on changing your plans every day you will never go anywhere. If you say today, I'm going to go to the market, then tomorrow I'm going to go to, this, to church. Then the day after I'm going to go to the market again, then the day after I'm going to go to school, then the day after that I'm going to the market. You, what you will find out is that you're going nowhere. So this is why I want people to commit to a long-term six months or longer plan. And actually, and I'm not going to go into here because this is really a beginner's plan. But really, you're supposed to have a six months, a two-year, and a 10-year plan. And so all these things wow. should feed into that. Six months might be how much I'm just going to spend my money on right now. But two years, for example, if you're a working class, two years might be that at the end of two years, I want a car. So your six months plan will always be putting a fixed amount of money so that in two years, you'll be able to buy that car. 10-year might be I want to put a deposit down for your house. So these things, because you can't just wake up one day and you want to buy a house. It's not going to have a plan that you're contributing to small by small every month so that you know that at the end of two years. So it's, Nigeria is very volatile right now. You spoke about the Forex. And it's the same with jobs, for example. This is a budget. The budget is supposed to protect you from things like I'll go into details of different types of where your money should go. But there is something called emergency fund. The idea of an emergency part of your budget is that you're supposed to, at any given time, have two to three months of the full salary in savings. So that if something like, you know, at least for one month, while you're trying to figure out what's been on you, you're going crazy. Okay. So sorry, I don't know if you got that. But so you always have to I got that. You always have to have that. So that's part of your budget. That is what savings means. Savings means saving for a big project or saving to protect yourself from all the little things that happen to you daily. Your car can lose a tire. 
where will you get that money from? You know, your child might be sick, needs to maybe stay one or two days in the hospital because of malaria. What will you do? This is what your budget is supposed to be here for. So, so emergency funds are quite important. Yes. I mean, places like this, you, you get a lot of emergency. Maybe um, the police stopped you along the way for... Um, something you never even expected. Exactly. And you're sup- you're supposed to pay like fifty grand. <laughs> so things like that happen, and and then we need to also so so a lot of people do this manually. Maybe write it down in their journal. Mm-hmm. Some people have journals. Some don't, and some are very uh, on. <laughs> Some are very, some are very big on tech. Mm-hmm. They are like, oh, if it's not tech, uh, if it's not something I can do with my phone or my laptop, then it's not something I'm going to do. What tools would you advise that they use? I would advise you to use whatever is the simplest thing for you. If you, I would assume that anybody probably under the age of 30, 30 should probably would more be more comfortable with tech, technology, you know, using, um, there are lots of free apps um, that you can use. And there's some that are paid. I personally use a paid app. I use, um, you need a budget. It just links up everything for me and tells me what category I've been spending more on. There are other apps. For example, there is the money monthly budget app. There is Spendy app. There is Money Manager app. And there is a, a home budget manager app. If you're good with apps, by all means, use any one of these. You can go so simple as using an Excel sheet and just tracking down how much you've been spending and how much, you know, you, you planned on spending for other things. I started with paper and pencil. I still have my notebooks from last, for the last 10 years. Um, wow. it, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm aging myself here, but this, I learned, you know, writing was before typing. So that was what came naturally to yeah. me. But then at a point I moved into the online app because then anywhere on my phone, you know, I'm going out to eat. Before I go out to eat, I'm like, ah, this thing's probably going to be so, so, so naira. I already put it in my app and say under restaurants, I have a category called restaurants, a fixed amount of money that I can spend at restaurants. I put it down there. I see how much I have left over, if it's okay, if it's not. And then I'm ready to go. Because this is something that you need to have a little bit of discipline to track what you're spending on. Yeah. I mean... It, it, that's that's like the next question for me. How do you stick to that? It's like you know this Nigeria where you see your friends bowling and you're like, man, I'm on a budget. <laughs> so. I know, I know how that is. But here's one thing I have found out: play it the long game. Now, for me, I find this naturally easy. For example, okay, I'm married. My husband. He hates this stuff. He hates the budgets. He hates the plans. He hates everything. He's pretty good with money. He doesn't mm-hmm. keep track of it. 
he doesn't like keeping track of it. So it pays it, for us. It works a little better because I love keeping track of money. I love saving. It's my, I, I actually like it. Um, even when I was a kid, my mom used, used to drive my mom crazy because I always had savings. Like I remember when I was 19, <laughs> which I regret, I bought MBL shares. <laughs> I bought MBL shares and I told my mother, I should never, never do that. Never tell your parents that you have shares because Six wow. months later, my shares doubled, and then suddenly our rents came in. And my mom was like, "Oh, wait a minute! You have those MBL shares for you know sixty thousand naira. Why don't you sell that for rent?" <laughs> oh my god! This is literally what happens to everyone. Do not do that. This is. Your shares are for your oh future. God. Do not do that now. Do not sell them. Shares are not for six months or one year. Shares are more like 10 years, 20 years, okay? I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. Now, back to the point. Um, you see your friends, and they're balling, and they're buying stuff, and you want to buy stuff. But this is the idea of your plan. What is your plan? Do you want some people, it is important to them to have fun. So by all means, as part of your budget, you should create an, a larger expense for having fun. So for me, in my household, my husband puts in 30% of his money for fun. I put in 10% because I am more than happy to not have fun, to not eat out, to not do stuff and sit in my account. He, if he sees the money in her account, he's kind of feeling weird. He would rather spend it and have fun and enjoy himself. So you really have to look at the type of person you right. are and plan according. But even with me, how do you? How do you? Mm -hmm. So Please even buy. with me, even with him, you still have to have discipline. A lot of these people that are balling are liars. Mm. I'm sorry, they are using borrowed money. Mm. They are in debt. It's not today that you're going to see the end of this. It's going to be when I'm going to be honest. I like I knew so I knew so many girls when I was in university. They were balling, but they were dating guys they didn't want to date because you know they needed rich boyfriends to, you know, manage their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to date one guy, one random guy, just because you know I want to feel cool and I want to have my nails done and my hair done all the time. So you yeah. know, some girls it's not a big deal, yeah. but for me it kind of is. So I'm not so. You know, I just had to do with what I had. Mm. That's that's quite important because um, we have students also listening to the podcast, and these are like peer pressure that students get from friends and their peers generally, and they are constantly saying to themselves. Or I want to, so a lot of people have that mentality of I need to ball when my friends are balling. I can't, mm. I can't be laid, laid back, and all of that. But for for some reason, we tend to break budgets when promo and offers and something <laughs> like Black Friday, all those things comes up. How do we? <laughs> <laughs> how do we how do we discipline ourselves when there are juicy offers budget 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 okay so here's the thing <laughs> and I, I laugh because you know 
uh, yesterday was two days ago was Black Friday. So, <laughs> so that, yeah. Listen, these guys aren't stupid. These people that do these juicy deals, they're not stupid. They are intentionally giving you these kind of deals because they want you to break your natural barriers to buy. Don't fall for it. You think you need the stuff. A lot of times you don't. So here's my thing with the juicy deal. Force yourself to wait one day. Force yourself to wait 24 hours and see how much that thing is really shocking you. Sometimes for me, half of the time, by the next day, I'm like, eh, do I really need it? Do I not? And you know, looking at the money, I have, oh, maybe, maybe not. So force yourself to wait. They intentionally want you to not think and just instinctively buy. And this comes from an old food habit. So in back in the day when there was no food for anybody, you see food, you can't, your brain has been wired that you're not supposed to think about, you're supposed to take. So as much food as you can eat, you eat it and you don't even think about it. You just keep on taking. So when there is, you keep on eating and you never, you're never full so that, you know, you get the food, you eat everything. And then you, two weeks may pass, you won't eat again. So you won't die. They're using that same brain chemistry for you to make sure that when you see something, you are never satisfied. You just say, ah, I don't know when this thing is going to come back again. So let me take it. Let me take it. Let me take it. It's your, it's a brain chemistry thing that they're playing with. So try and remember that these people are doing this intentionally. And in the meantime, when you know the juicy deal is coming. So sometimes, you know, maybe Christmas might be juicy deal. You know, Black Friday is juicy deal. You know, some other holidays. It's always around the holiday for sure. There's a juicy deal. Yeah. Put it in your budget. There is nothing wrong with you saying, okay, I'm going to spend maybe 80% of what I make. But 10% I'm going to save for saving, like forever and ever, my emergency fund or, emer or something else. But then 10% is a savings for something special. You know, my birthday is coming up and I know I'm going to want to really spell, spend out. Okay, your birthday is in September. Start saving from June now. Puts, you know, 15K down in June, July, August. By the time September comes, you're like, oh, I already have 50K. There's a lot I can do with that. It may not be all you need, but at least it's like, it's a lot. I can do something really, you know, nice for it. Save for it. Yeah. And if it bothers you, yeah. find somebody I mean, that you... Now, I have, like, I have, my sisters are very trustworthy with money. Now, this is the key. They must be trustworthy. Find, find a way mm -hmm. to force save. Some people do, you know, those bonds in the bank where you, you put it down for three months and can't touch it. That's a way to save so that you know that you won't touch it. Or if you have a family member that you know that this one, nothing, you cannot ever get money out of them. Give it to them. Let them hold it for you. Or um, yeah, what's this thing called? Uh, cooperative. Go and put it down in a cooperative. Go find a cooperative. Put it down so that you know that by the time the thing that you want to get the money out for, you know that it's done and it will force you to save. So um, where does the 50, 30, 20 budgeting rules apply? Because I know some people save, they are aggressive savers. They, they can save, they can save the world <laughs> without, like, they, they prefer to go hungry and save everything they have. So what's the ideal, I mean, 
it's we need to be healthy as well to i mean when when you have good health you can also spend the money when i mean you you know there's a there's the need to balance those savings and spending things so so this rule i'm going to be honest it's an american rule it's based on a particular type of lifestyle which i personally do not think we have in nigeria i'm going to be honest I, I, I don't, yeah. I just don't see it. Um, but it, it's a good guideline. I find it hard to give somebody a 50-30 rule, but I can give them a save rule versus a spend rule. And here's, this is my suggestion. This is the suggestion I've used since I was 17. Somebody gave this to me and I found it so helpful when I was in university. It's, it comes from, it's, and I will, come back again uh, and I'm apologizing for the non-Christians in the group that are listening, but a lot of it comes from a Christian theology of tithing. So with the Christians, the idea is that you're supposed to take 10% of your salary and give it away. Now, while there is a good spiritual practice about this is nice, you know, you're helping other people that are less fortunate. I believe that there's a second principle in tithing in this. You can actually live on less than you think. Because for somebody who has never tithed to starting to tithe, they think they're going to die. But after two years, you realize that actually and that should be something that you can also scale back to save, you can scale back to do other things. So I believe that at least 50% of your salary. It's something that you, are, you can grow. But I believe really 15% of whatever you're taking home should be. The only people, group of people I know that this is cannot be done. I'm going to there are some people that this cannot be done are very poor. In the idea that you are not even making to even eat before. So saving is impossible. But if I a middle class person, you need to take 10, 15% of your salary and save it. Save it for emergency fund, save it for a project that you are going to do in the future. Be spending it on daily, on food, on housing, on going out, on clothes, on anything. But I would say, so for me, it's a five. Eighty-five right. is not a good save okay. twenty. I think that that twenty for most people is only like if you are naturally like a good saver that that twenty percent will work. But for everybody else, fifteen percent. All right. That I mean, that's a good start for anyone that is listening to this and they are still struggling with budgeting. I know maybe some some people have even heard this before and they never practiced it. Or maybe they tried, they started, and along the way they're like, oh, no, this is too hard. <laughs> so um, it's a good mm-hmm. way to start again. Even if it's not up to 15, I feel like... Exactly. Just start, start with 5. See how start with 5%. That was something that you think mm. this is useless and stupid. I mean, can I say something about that emergency fund, which mm. is really important? I cannot stress this one enough. 
So when you first start budgeting, your first savings should first go to your emergency fund. Your emergency fund cannot be stocks. It cannot be something that is locked. It must be money that you should easily be able to get at any moment's notice. So I would say in the savings account. And I know that it's very hard to keep it in the savings account because, you know, it's all this money that is there. But the reason for this emergency fund is for unexpected things, not things you knew you were supposed to do. When your car is doing servicing, you know you're supposed to service your car every six months, maybe every one year. So you cannot use your emergency fund for servicing. But you go on the road now, nail chooks your tire. Nobody expected that one. What I find is that when people are starting out on their budgeting thing, all these little, so I call them little disasters, start coming. And it derails them from the plan that they were making. They say they want to buy a car, but because of this one now, they, they've, you know, it, it, it blows everything up. And then they start borrowing. You start borrowing from people. And the problem with borrowing is that it's, it's something, when you borrow, it's as if you have to pay more back than you actually borrowed. So this is the part of the emergency fund where you know this money is down. So the minute anything happens like this, you can just pick it, put it in, and it has not derailed your savings at all. And then you can now continue your savings to rebuild the emergency fund and still keep on going on your plan. So my husband was completely against it. We have an emergency fund of three months and he was completely against it. He hated it. He complained about it, but he was just like, okay, I know you're good with money. So I'm going to trust your judgment on it. Within two months, he lost one tire. So that was the first one. Then another two months in, water heater broke. We had to pay for that one. Then like another six months later, his car battery, like it rained and the battery completely got soaked. So all the battery plus the wiring plus everything we had to pay. So all of a sudden, this is where all these emergency funds were coming from. I normally would have saved, we would have borrowed, but we didn't. We already had it. So now he's like, ah, I see the purpose of this thing. So really emergency fund, have one. If it's 5K, if Very it's 10K, just have it down. I know that no, you are not borrowing anybody. You're not touching it. It's just for emergencies. Thank you so much for that. Um, so for, I was, while I was preparing for the podcast, I thought about young couple that, okay, newly married or maybe they are about less than five years or let's even say five years into a marriage and they are they want to draw a budget so this applies to everyone i mean even if you are 20 years into the marriage and you've never done budgeting before i think it's something that would help the family and one question that keeps coming to my mind is how do we draw budgets? Because, yeah, uh, okay, so I'll need you to explain from when you don't have a kid yet, when you have a kid, and then please consider the extended uh-huh. families, like <laughs> all the extended family that comes, oh, um, your cousin is about to get married. Oh, joy. <laughs> that is like, 
<laughs> I have so much of an advantage because I do not live near my family. I'm going to be honest. I mean, it's a disadvantage because I don't see that. I now have to pay money to see them a lot. But at the same time, other Asherib stuff does not affect me at all again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me start with a caveat for me. If you ask anybody in my family, they'll tell you I'm cheap. I am so cheap. It's amazing. So, like, I I am very, I, I, I really hate the idea of borrowing so much that, like, it, it actually affected how I got married. Um, I'd always told my parents I'll have a, mar- a wedding of less than 100 people. And my mom was like, this is inc- crazy. Only my side of the family self is 100 people. It's not, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Oh, as a first one. I don't think you can. Oh no, 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 no. Where there's a will, there's a way. Because what happened was I have a co- I have a you know, I have a cause um my mom's older sister, you know, she's as good as my mother, to be honest. So my cousins were getting married and the amount of money she borrowed, and I was like, This is like and I told my mom then and there, like, if you borrow this kind of money for my wedding, I'm going to elope and there's nothing I'm gonna do about it. Well, it so ends up that we ended up because we had to go to school. Me and my husband went to school. So it so ended up that we had to get married in court. And then they said, okay, don't worry, don't worry. Come, when you come back, you'll do the, the, the real thing. Well, 14 years later, we're still waiting for the real thing. So I still kind of got my wish here. Like, I, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's interesting. Now, I believe that you started one step too late. You talked about married people. You talked about young families. Nobody talks about dating. By God, please, you have a boyfriend. Please talk to him about money. I'll find out how he spends his money. There are three reasons why marriages have trouble. Sex, um, the way you raise your children, and money. These are the three things that cause quanta in marriage so please while you're dating somebody find out their views on child rearing find out their views on yes on sex yes even as a christian you have to at least figure out what exactly their expectations are and you have to know how they spend their money um because this will be is one of the things that will shape your marriage now as a young couple so let's say today you got married now I want to figure out how you're going to do the budget. Actually, for your wedding, I would assume you'd have already started your budget because you have to at least budget for the wedding. There are two schools of thought. You can do joint um, income where you pull, uh, both of you put your salaries together in one pot and everything from the house comes from that single pot. The thing is you need to be very united on this. You have to have really the same kind of ideals and spending habits for this thing to work. But the advantage of this is, you know how they say one can chase, ten, uh, one can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. When you do that pot, the things you will achieve will be faster and quicker than if you guys were doing separate, separate, but sometimes you contribute. The ones I also see in Nigeria now, especially for the older couples is separate, separate, where you, know, you have your own salary, she has her own salary, but on some certain things like school fees, housing, you know, you contribute to a common pot, but then everything else apart from it is yours. This one is good because if you really have different spending styles, you guys will not fight so much. 
because you know what they are spending their own money on you don't know as long as they're doing their obligation you don't care um it's just that when you have big projects like if you want to buy a house it's going to be tough because you're not you know you're not putting everything together as you could i would suggest that the person who likes doing budget money things should be the person that should handle it because when it's somebody that hates it they will not do a good job of it so whoever is the least annoyed at you know, balancing how much the school fees was, how much food we spent, you know, the markets, everything, that should be the person in charge of the budget. In my family, that's me. You know, everybody says, oh, should that be a man's job? It's really, it depends. It depends on who God has gifted. For me, in my family, that's me. I'm just, I love it. My husband cannot stand it. He just wants to know what is the percentage we're spending on this, this, this. And that's all he cares about. And here's the second part. No matter how much the other party hates things about money, they must sit down at least once a month to review, even if it's just percentage, this is how much we're spending on these things. Oh, this is how much they have to have an idea because this is what causes trouble. This is what causes people not to contribute to the things. When they don't know what's going on, they will start short-cutting the system. Or they might wake up one morning and they will feel offended because they find out that, ah, you're spending on something. I didn't agree on that. So they always, so always involve the other person. I don't care if they are complaining, if they hate it, if they are whatever. Involve the other person there. Now, for extended family, this is where the extra negotiation must come in. Because you have to budget for your extra family. I have a budget for my family. I have a budget for my family. I have, I now, me and my husband, right now, when we first got married, because we were really broke, we started doing joints. And now, because we have separate projects that we want to do, we are doing a bit of a separate. His salary does his things, my salary does mine, but we have a joint pot that we contribute to. For us, it's house, food the maintenance of the house, school fees. And those are really the only three things that we, you know, we need a combined effort for. And then every once in a while, if there is um, you know, something, maybe we want to buy a car, you know, you can do combined efforts for that. But everything else, if he, his car has a problem, it's his own money that he's going to use to maintain it. If my own car has issue, it's my own money I'm going to use to maintain it. So in the same way with family, you have to have a budget. I have a budget for it because now my mom is getting a bit older and I've started noticing that every month, pretty much, I know the last two years, I know how much we've always been contributing to her. So I just put it in my budget down. Then I have a little bit extra because of, you know, Ashwabi, maybe one sister needs something, a cousin is doing something, you know, that thing. It has to be part of the budget because you see, when you do those ashwabi, you just see one $60,000 ashwabi now. You will say, oh, okay, you don't, you won't think about it, you just buy it. But how many ashwabi is that? But if I know that, oh, okay, my ashwabi budget every month is 20K. And then, you know, maybe this is June. So I have 100K worth of ashwabi now, ashwabi money. By the time somebody even gives you 50K ashwabi, you first look, which relative are you? How close are you to me that I will give you half of my actual budget? You know, you won't close your eyes for it. Mm-hmm. 
you will now really calculate it well and say, eh, can I just use scarf instead of the whole this? You know, you so yeah. once you put a number to it, once you've given it a job, your money a job, and you know that after this, you're not giving, you're not taking it from anywhere then it forces you to make choices. And this is what I find Nigerians don't want to do. They do not want to make choices. They do not want to have to tell somebody no in case somebody gets offended. But for you to live well, listen, poverty is a generational thing. If you do not escape poverty, you are asking your children to be poor. So you have to say that, okay, I know that you guys really helped me. All the people who came before me helped me to be where I am now. But to ensure that I do not continue this thing, I have to say no to some expenses. And you have to choose what those expenses are. For me, it is Ashwaibi. I won't do it. I would rather send you 20K for burial in envelope than buy your Ashwaibi. I don't buy Ashwaibi at all. I refuse. I'll, I'll send, the, if your Ashwaibi is 50K, I'll give you 50K in money. That is actually more useful to you than buying one list that I wear two times a year. No. Yeah. I, I think that's one thing I I figured out um, some years ago. Yeah, like last, yeah, some years ago. Like, um, I'm not a fan of, as much as I like designing people's dresses and all. Um, I'm very, very picky with my fashion, and one of one of the things that I would rather do is send you money than buy the ashrebi, which is which is something that I thought about some years ago. That you know what, buying ashrebi is like yes, everybody is wearing the same kind of dress. By the way, for those that don't know what Ashrebi is, Ashrebi is um, like the same type of out um, dress or fabric that is being sold to all family members to wear or friends to wear for a particular event or a wedding or a burial, stuff like that. And... For me, I think sending the money to the family that owns the occasion or the person celebrating, whether your friend or someone that invites you for the event is much better than you buying a clothes that you won't wear. Because it has happened to me before I eventually gave out the the, the, how, um, the fabric. I didn't really like the fabric and I'm not I'm not a fan of wearing like mm-hmm. um flashy things. So even if I'm gonna wear something flashy, it should be subtle, not something so so everywhere. So yeah. I think that's much better for those that are thinking, okay, I should be an O and learning to say no. It's something that's oh, yeah. very, very important. That's that's another talk. That's, that's another that's talk I will I, I am more than happy to give mm-hmm. about boundaries. It's something that is not in our culture to mm-hmm. do. 
to give boundaries, to tell people no, especially those we respect very highly, to tell them, this is not my responsibility. I will not be taking charge of this. I mean, I, 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 that's that's a, a big topic that we, that can be blown up. That would, um, yeah, that's a different one. I'll that's a different one. I'll definitely let <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but for I'll this, but for extended family, I mean, that. it's. I always remember MC Hammer. I don't know if folks remember. And yes, once again, I'm dating myself here. MC Hammer was a famous musician in the early '90s. Had a bunch of hits you can't touch this too legit to quit just look that up okay they they were like the hottest thing the guy had made a couple of million dollars he became broke not because he wasted the money he only did two things he bought a big house and then he helped all his family members and that's how he became broke so But, you know, like, wow. you know, let's be honest, African-Americans sometimes have similar habits to black uh, Niger- Africans. You have big family. You have cousins, your cousin's cousin, your uncle's something, somebody from your village. He was doing good. But you have to, you do not help your people by falling down into the same pit that they are in. You pull people out. But if you feel like you're going to fall in, you stop. Wow, that's going to be it for this night. And I'm so excited that we had this uh, podcast on financial budgeting. It's part of um, financial literacy and it's something that we'll definitely um, look into um, other aspects of financial literacy generally. And how it affects our lives negatively and positively. And um, in the future, we would also look forward to speaking about boundaries and saying no, and also investments and what what is the, what what looks like is that is a good investment. Mm-hmm. Actually bad. Anyone say MMM stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right good night it's been a wonderful evening with you um i'm so grateful for this and um i'll definitely send you questions if you have questions for Wumi, you can um forward the questions to her you'll definitely see the link and the email address from the podcast when it's out the games we play here we come again and we move have a good evening (laughs) everyone